In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How do you handle it when someone hurts you? Do you get angry and explode, or do you try to push it aside, or maybe hold it inside? If someone hits me, either physically or emotionally, I hurt, and something inside of me causes me to want to hit or to give pain back. It's the rule of the playground, the rule of hockey ice, the rule of road rage, and even that of international politics. A child fights to hang on to a toy in a nursery. A man attacks the person who scratches the paint on his new car. A student here at the seminary feeds a gossip network to get back at someone who wronged him or her. It's the vicious competition fostered in churches, schools, and colleges, and universities, and the workplace. Political candidates throw mud in order to get elected. It's a thing on which societies hang their hats and load their guns. We want to protect our rights. Now, most of us are able to deal with hurt in more mature ways, but if we're really honest with ourselves, we find that the pain or humiliation of being hurt is always simmering inside of ourselves. I wonder if that was true of the Apostle Peter in today's Gospel lesson. I wonder if that was what was behind his coming up to Jesus and asking, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Peter's question had to come out of some kind of hurt. Note also that Peter did not wait for Jesus to answer his question. He suggests an answer of his own. As many as seven times he asked Jesus. Peter's assumption, of course, is that there had to be a limit. You can't just keep forgiving a person indefinitely. After all, at some point the forgiveness wears out. At some point, no one is really going to believe that you feel sorry for hurting them. It's though forgiveness is like holding your breath, something I find difficult to do. I can only do it for a short time, and the older I get, the shorter the time. Peter wants to know how much, lo much long he must do it. I do too, and so do you. I get tired of offering blank-check forgiveness. There has to be a better way than forgiveness, right? But Jesus changes the question when he says to Peter, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy times seven. The point that Jesus makes is not a larger number, for the real calculation is not how often we ought to forgive an undeserving person, but rather on how much God has forgiven us. The parable of this gospel lesson then knocks me off my judgmental feet when I catch myself treating other people's sin more harshly than God treats mine.
And how much more clearly can Jesus teach this lesson than in the parable of the unmerciful servant? Jesus here shows a man who had just been forgiven millions of dollars only to turn around and to refuse to forgive a guy who owed him a few dollars and couldn't pay that debt. The story or parable from a human standpoint is obviously ridiculous. But then from heaven's perspective, apparently it is equally ridiculous for you and me to stand beneath Christ's cross and still be unwilling to forgive someone who has sinned against us. Look at Peter's question again, if you will. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? One Bible commentator says that Peter's question, how many times shall I forgive, that question is one about quantity, a question of how many, and Jesus' answer is about a different sort of quantity. It's a case of how much, or how many versus how much. We want to know how many times we should forgive. Jesus wants us to consider how much we have been forgiven. There's another point that also needs to be made. I believe that this parable of Jesus was directed to those inside of the church at that time and also those inside the church now. Peter's question seems to deal with another member of the church that somehow had hurt him. In that sense, this parable of Jesus then must be directed toward life on the inside of the church rather than on the outside. And what was going on for Peter was not the trivial, inward-focused stuff that so often preoccupies churches today. This is not about carpet colors, music styles, or budget battles. No, this is about the larger and deeper matter of how we treat one another and live together lovingly and humbly inside this community we call the church. It concerns harmony and fellowship, as we inside the church deal with the thorny issues of judgmental people, differing theological interpretations and practices. Jesus, in telling this parable then, is assuming that not everything inside the church goes smoothly. He is assuming the opposite. And those of you who are graduating and receiving your calls or vicarage assignments today must also assume the same. There are many challenges to face in ministry, and yet approaching them with Christ's love and forgiveness as your major resource, you will not only face these challenges, but overcome them. This is also true for us here at the seminary in our work and classes right now. When we finally learn that, then everything we do in the church, from budget or theological battles to missions, will go better. It's so much easier to forgive and work with one another, with one another, is it not, when we keep in mind all that our Lord has done for us in his death and resurrection? In the parable of our text, Jesus is the master who has forgiven much and to whom we must answer when our hearts are filled with begrudging and unforgiving spirits. When I see him, yes, when I see him and his love for me and for all people clearly, then I will see the rest of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, more clearly too. 
again from heaven's perspective. Is it not ridiculous or nonsensical for you and me to look at the cross and yet be unwilling to forgive and live in love and harmony with one another? And while we, like Peter, want to know how many times we must forgive, Jesus wants us to consider how much we have been forgiven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.